What is up, everybody? How is it going? We are back on the Backwood Sports Podcast. It is the 4th of March in 2022. And, uh, you know, with everything that's been going on the last years with the COVID times and everything and all that's got to go wild with sports, we're finally a little bit out of some of that. Now that the NFL the other day, just before the Combine, released that now they are done with all of COVID protocols and they're going to be moving on forward, trucking like you ain't never seen before. So we'll see how everything goes with that. And, um, you know, they said before there is no games ever missed, but we all know about those Steelers and how much those fans have been crying from the other years. So we'll see how it goes and everything down the road. But uh, I'd like to welcome in here and slide over into Sir McGee. Welcome him into the show. How you doing, man? Good man, how you doing? Pretty good, dude. Pretty good. Just chilling, uh, looking at some of this stuff from yesterday. All the uh, craziness going on. You know, big, small hands. You know, people fast or slow. What's going on in the draft? A little yeah. picket over there in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, wild enough as it is, I have to say the one guy I've been looking at the entire time in this whole combine, and now people are starting to finally see it. I saw the video a couple months ago of him throwing a deep ball to a trash bin in the corner of the end zone. That is Mark uh, yeah, Mark Willis, the uh, Liberty quarterback over there. I also watched the uh, pinstripe bowl that he played in. And, um, man, it didn't take me long to realize this guy has a hell of an arm and certainly is pretty damn accurate, unlike a lot of people in what they think. But uh, I don't know. Everyone's saying he's possibly going to Pittsburgh at 20 or later in that round. Me? I say there's a lot of teams up front that could be looking at him just because of, you know, he is Lamar Jackson asking all of his movement, but the guy is an absolute big body and he's ready to bang in the football league, I think so. What do you think about that? Mark Willis is one of those guys where over the last few weeks, his name has been climbing over some other quarterbacks in that draft. And you're right, the Steelers, they might be looking for a quarterback, who knows, but you're right, he might be gone by even like by mid-pick, by mid-round. Um, like probably five or six picks before Pittsburgh, and they they might still get Pickett. They liked him earlier on, but now the Steelers and rumors for a lot of a lot of these quarterbacks that uh, kind of been rumored around. So maybe they'll go for a seasoned veteran or a guy like Mitch Trubisky. Now his name's getting thrown out for Pittsburgh. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with that uh, pick, like in the early twenties. Yeah, no, for sure, man. He's one of those guys where, like I said, big body guy. I feel like he's going to come in the league and do well. He did decide not to run the 40, but, I mean, what quarterbacks out there really got to run that 40 yarder, (laughs) honestly? And, um, you know, I mean, just just a couple overthrows in the day and everything and some short passes. But for the most part, he was dropping dimes in from deep and, you know, doing basically everything that those scouts wanted to see him do yesterday. So um, I won't stay too long on him, though. I know he's kind of and he's been my front runner since the beginning for quarterbacks but you know Pickett has been up there because he's just the guy he's had the good record every year and all that um look pretty in all the part but got to be honest uh, it was quarterbacks wide receivers and tight ends yesterday and I'm gonna tell you there's a couple tight ends out there that were looking pretty goddamn great uh Greg Delich out of UCLA he had a good day for sure he had a 4-6-1 on the 40 yarder they had Jelani Woods out there, the tight end out of Virginia, 6'7", 259 weighing in. He cranked out 24 reps at 255, and not a lot of guys are wanting to do that bench rep in this year. I don't know if maybe they've been, uh, you know, slacking a little bit in the weight room or if they just, you know, 
don't want to go out there and lift in general. Who knows, man? And I don't. That's for damn sure. How you feel about the uh, most most people not wanting to lift now? Um, I think it really depends. Like how you were saying for quarterback, you don't really need a forty. I mean, for tight end, you still want to show off that strength and like more like alignment oh, yeah. will do that kind of stuff. And honestly, it's it's just kind of. A little extra stat that coaches and scouts can see when they look at your physique and see what you really can can handle. So I, I, I wouldn't look yeah. too too into it. And yeah, maybe they are getting lazy because I mean, Kobe going on, gain some weight, who knows? But even Jay was talking to us yeah. earlier. I mean, the combine really most of the time it could only hurt you. I mean, there's times like when Mark Willis showed out and some of these guys like Greg Dulich, like these guys had really good stuff. They improved, but most of the time. I mean, if you have it one bad, if you're having a bad day, I mean, that could really drop your stock quite, quite big. So, uh, some guys just oh, yeah, choose not sure. to take the risk. That's really what it is for me. I think. Yeah, man, I th- I really feel like that's kind of like more or less what's going on here, and I do not want to shy away from who I think. I mean, I know he's probably not going to be the first guy off the board, but he's the guy that I think is going to be the best tight end out of the class. Forgive me if I say it wrong. It's a Chigazam, if I remember correctly, Okawanu out of Maryland. That dude, if I got to say anything about anyone, this man is an absolute huge dude for the Terps. He had a big year last year, um, gets a 4.52 in the 40-yard. That's a hell of a good damn time for a tight end, especially for a boy that uh, isn't just a pass catcher and isn't just a great route runner, but he can also bang those bodies in there in the line and get in there in the run game too tight, just one flexing off the edge. However it goes, this dude has shown consistently that he can block well and catch the ball. So as long as he keeps those sure hands going into the NFL, especially holding on to the rock while running that thing down the field after the catch, then who knows, man. I feel like he could be the biggest guy out of this class because just the intangibles in the body is there already, definitely. Yeah. And but, um. A tank like him, and with a name like that, he's already a top 15 tight end. <laughs> yeah, for real, man. I, th- I I was looking at it at first. I wanted to look back, and I thought, like, hell, is there, like, a brother or a cousin that came out? Because I thought there was a tight end with his last name as well before, but I couldn't find him. So, um, um, but um, we also got to look over here. The last position we're diving into here in the combine so far, just a little tidbit, but um. Wide receivers out here, man. They had Calvin Austin, the dude out of Memphis, the five foot eight, one seventy, soaking wet, kind of like Devontae uh, Smith last year out of the draft. Everyone's talking about how small he is and everything. Mm. Well, you know, he goes out there and blazes a four three two in the forty, and he also had a thirty nine inch uh, vertical. So we'll see right now. That dude's gonna jump through the goddamn roof, and you know, with all the athleticism and everything involved. I think he could be a great receiver, but yeah, you always want to come back to the maybe you need to put a little bit on. So get to 190, maybe that might help just a little bit with taking some of those big shots. But uh, the only other guy I was going to mention here on this prospect list is a dude who I haven't seen a damn thing out of yet. I don't know if he's tested anything yet, but it's a man that I've liked a lot and people are linking him right now and true to the Patriots who I'd love to see. I feel like he'd be a great, I say Edelman comp, but he's a hell of a lot faster in pure speed, not just the quick switch uh, reaction speed. But that's the USC receiver, Drake London. I talked about him. I've been posting about him on the page, saying all sorts of shit. 
He's been looking at it. I've been seeing that eye over there. <laughs> but um, he's a man out of Moon Park, California. He's a junior this year. He's got big size, man. He's 6'4", 219. So, and he also has a 6.34 grade, which is pretty goddamn good. If you're over the five, you're at least a good look in the NFL. Mm. And with being what he is, I've looked enough at him and just seeing some of his play, he is honestly one of the most full receivers, I'd say, in the draft. Kind of like I was talking about the tight end before, Akawanu. Um, I think he honestly has the most intangibles to be able to, uh, you know, play in the inside, play in the outside. If he can run block, I've seen him do a good job at it. Obviously, it's college level. But if he can translate that to the NFL and be, I, I guess, say more of like a Brandon Tate, uh, Michael Floyd, people like that, who in the end of their career have to do the blocking more than us, um, I think he could honestly be a great receiver. But being able to play the in and the outside, man, there usually isn't a team that can't find a spot for you on the field. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and with you saying um, the Pats are looking for a receiver, and we just got word that the Cowboys most likely cut in Amari Cooper. I think I think the Pats, yeah, I think the Pats are front runners for him. If you ask me, you think they're front runners with that with that twenty million? <laughs> well, I know um, I wouldn't probably trade him, but no, if they if they wait um, until March twentieth, he's only owed like six mil. Oh, really? Now, yeah. okay, because yeah. I was seeing it the other day, and like you and I talked about last year, man. I kind of felt it wasn't to say that Amari's like not doing as well or anything, but with the number on the contract being twenty million up here, and them having Ceedee Lamb and Gallup, and then it's not to say they have any like real receivers behind them, but you could probably draft a guy and/or some guys in the roster might kind of you know make their way up here and there. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, I've always seen him as, as either being a trade piece to get something small or even like a draft pick. Or, like I said, and like they just basically released today, tossing them out the door because of that price. Great yeah. receiver, but comes at a price, right? Yeah. Um, so I did. I just double-checked, and it is true. If Mari gets cut, um, he, he would count 6 mil against the salary cap, not 22. Um, but also, yeah. what just came out half an hour ago is saying now they're going to try to trade him, actually. And if they can't trade him, they're going to move on with him and get their own free agency wide receiver. And that's what I figured they'd be doing, because you want to have an extra guy there. You still need a third receiver to be solid. Even if you think you have a guy in the fourth or fifth spot that it could slide in during the year, you need someone to be there, especially tutelage-wise, shit like that. But mm-hmm. to be honest, man, Mari ain't been long for that offense. And I know Jay was talking to me earlier today about it. Oh, well, you know, you look at the numbers and you see when Amari isn't playing, they're not doing so hot, all this, they can't move the ball. But what I said back was more or less, you also got to look at how many times they tried to feed Zeke while he had that injury, like started with that injury this year, you know, this last year. And I kind of feel like it goes hand in hand. Like, yeah, maybe their offense wasn't firing on all cylinders, but they also were trying to feed Zeke, who basically, no matter how many times you fed him, wasn't going to get the yardage he's normally going to get. And even when they get the yardage with Zeke that they do, do they always win? So yeah, I don't think that was when I kind of look at it. Now. I think I think the Cowboys Cooper didn't show up every game. But, I mean, no one really does. But I think the mm-hmm. games where he did, they always won. So I think he's like super valuable. And oh yeah, uh, depending on trades and whatnot, who knows? But speaking of trades, the the Bills granted permission Cole uh, for Cole Beasley to seek out a trade. However, they said they will. They you know the door's not closer to return, but they said 
Uh, I guess he wants to trade, so they, they're letting him look for trades now. And that's a tough one, too, because, I mean, I've always said it, and uh, speaking of a former Cowboy being Cole Beasley, I've always loved the dude. Back when he was in the Cowboys, I always said he was the most Edelman-like man in the league besides the man himself. So I'll be honest, you know, <laughs> COVID shot, no COVID shot, whatever the hell he's doing now that the rules are tossed out the goddamn window. We're sitting here looking at a guy who realistically probably has, what, maybe three years left in the league, something like that, if he plays his cards right. And truthfully, any team that's a contender should be the one taking him on. I'm going to stamp it right now. Josh Gordon didn't work out in KC. Cole Beasley to Kansas City. That's going to be the next move. I truly think so. Uh, Cole Beasley in that offense is going to give – it's not that he's like a Tyree Kill-like. He, he is a guy that's like Tyree Kill in the way he can find the gaps in the offense mm – -hmm. or sorry, in the defensive end. So I truly think him going to KC would be his best option, and it's more or less because with all these other quarterbacks and the carousel possibly flipping around, we don't know who the hell is going to be where. But don't forget about Green Bay either because if Aaron Rodgers goes back there, he does need a Cobb-like safety blanket. Yeah, and so, I'll and go like, KC, but don't forget about Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, like you're like you're saying, you know, Green Bay is a, is a, I mean, it's a pretty nice destination if Rodgers wants to go back there, you know. Yep. And the last reports out of in, was it last night, this morning area, as of right now, and something I said in the beginning, is a whole lot of smoke, but there ain't really any fire. And as of right now, everyone's saying. It's probably flipping the book on backwards, and Aaron Rodgers might just be going back to Green Bay and staying home. Maybe. So, who knows, man. But the other, the other, if I need to get into it, and I think we know the age-old story, but I'm at least mention it. We have the Broncos here talking about, you know, possibilities of what they're going to do, because we all know the years that have gone by and what Elway hasn't done to make sure they solidify at least a guy that can start at quarterback for the entire season. Um, as of right now, they said they're looking at Jimmy Garoppolo to trade, but big thing being, what's his biggest downside in his entire career that you think could be holding that up? Because they said there is one reason and one reason only why they're not sure about pulling that trigger. You have a guess, McGee? You talking about for Jimmy? Yeah, for Jimmy. Um, probably because he's failed in San Francisco. Whoa, 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 okay. All right, then let's dive into that. What, do you, what makes you say he failed in San Francisco? Well, not failed, but, I mean, they brought him to San Francisco for a reason, and he clearly did not live up to his expectations. That's true to a point. I can't I can't knock you for saying that because, yeah, like, I mean, any team brings in a quarterback. At it. I mean, for the most part, brings in a quarterback, I'd assume, is trying to win a chip. Um, he got him to one, nearly got him to one last year. But you are right in the fact that, well, anytime he's played, they've had above 500 record at times, I think above 750 record. But when he's not playing, which is a decent amount of the time with those injuries coming in the factor, they played like pretty crap. So, yeah, it's a tough one. But at the end of the day, if the Broncos can have enough linemen to hold them upright and keep them going and everything, I think it is a really good spot for him to land. But that's more the question is if they think they can hold him upright enough to not get hurt. Hmm. That I think that really that's what it comes down to at the end of the day if they want to make that trade or not. And also is to what the hell the price is. 
because he's been a second rounder his entire career. He's drafted the second round. All these injuries and, you know, I wouldn't say disappointment, but just not finishing the job. Is he still worth a second round? Yeah. And like he, for them he came in, he was a young guy, great talent, high IQ. He's coming on 30 now. And I mean, he, like I said, he hasn't gotten San Fran to where they wanted. So exactly. I mean, would they take it back? Would they take that trade back originally? Who knows? But every situation is different. So the best of luck to him going forward. But Hey, if another team is warning you about a player that they've had, I, I'd stay away. Yeah, it's a tough thing because the 49ers right after the season were all gung ho. Let's you know, let's trade them and everything. We're gonna do everything we can. Unless they're just to get leverage from get a higher pick for him. Maybe there's maybe there's bullshitting him. Like he's worth more. Like that is true. Too. You really want him, then give up more for him. But at the same time, you're gonna shoot yourself in the foot because, like you said, what's he even worth right now? Yeah, that's true. I mean, heck, uh, was it just yesterday or two days ago he went, underwent another surgery himself? They said won't affect the timetable of the next season, anything, or with a trade. Right. But we're all humans, and you got to think of it. If there's even a sniff of a report that there's a surgery, let alone even a scrape-up surgery, which is probably what it ends up being at the end of the day, mm -hmm. well, a team is going to factor that in no matter what, whether they say they will or not. So, I mean, that's for – for them to decide and for them to hopefully they can get their guy. But one thing's for damn sure the Broncos cannot, and I mean cannot, go back into this next season without at least somebody else at quarterback. And I'm going to tell you right now who my favorite guy out of all the crapshoot of people. You know, Everyone sees that post the other day by the uh, Pat McAfee show on the odds of different guys and all the free agents or people to be traded, whatnot. The one guy on that list, I look one thousand one million percent down on is good old sam darnold baby i'm gonna put sam darnold over on those broncos and just like i said last year because he started off hot with the panthers i think he could do a little bit of damage but he is in the afc west at that point so there's a lot of damage to be done if you're gonna make up ground there that's for sure mm, definitely yeah man but uh not too much left on this NFL side. I just wanted to dive into the last bit here um, before I finish off with the last combine stuff. I also saw yesterday on the uh, Pat McAfee show, we had him live on air, was Cliff Kingsbury with uh, one of the old NFL reporters there, one of his good friends. can't remember his name at the moment. But he had backed down and doubled down on the fact that Kyler Murray is supposed to be back with the Cardinals and that there was no fire to the smoke like most things in the offseason. But he's been happy the entire time and playing some jokes. So do you buy into that? Or you think maybe they just moved him over with some, uh, I don't know, new talk, new plans? What uh, do you think? I think they're all – they're just saying that just to say that. Um, who knows oh, yeah. what the truth is? Uh, hang on. Um, you know, it's off season and there's always rumors going around, so you never know what's true. I think they just kind of have to say that just to hold peace with everything. Uh, who, who knows what's really true, what's not. Yeah, it's true, man. It's, it's a tough situation, though, and you got to imagine, like, he even said yesterday himself, because they asked him, you know, Cliff, if you if it didn't work out in the NFL, would you go back to college and everything? And, you know, what's going on there? And he said, you know, there's not a chance in hell I'd go back to college because – Nowadays, you know, in general, with NIL deals, all that, he's like, you got to compete 
twenty four seven. You got to be on Twitter on all this stuff to compete with all the people and make sure you get the guy signed. You're in a locker room celebrating a championship, and you got to call up a guy to show him like this could be you, <laughs> you know, like and everything. So he's laughing about that, saying like I wouldn't take the anxiety and everything that comes with that job compared to the NFL. Yet a lot of coaches get real old real quick in the NFL. So for me, I'm gonna just say it now. Cliff don't sound like he's a long term coach in general, but I'll leave it for what it is. And he loves his planning. He said that much. So I guess that's where he's at. But uh, we'll finish off here lastly in this NFL segment with um, the last bits of going into this combine. So today, uh, around 7 o'clock tonight, we have the running backs, the offensive linemen. And um, just like uh, my old boy over here, we got the good old special teams going in there and doing some dirty work, doing all their different drills. We got tomorrow at 7 p.m. on the 5th, we have the defensive linemen and the linebackers going through. So for anybody like us Patriot fans that really know we need linebacker help, y'all better be watching out on that stuff because first round comes around, unless it's a wide out, I'm telling you now, it's most likely going to be a linebacker we're going to be snagging. So watch for whoever dudes are out there. And then we wrap it up on the 6th at 2 p.m. We have the... Big old defensive back day, and I think you're going to see some high flyers out there, some dudes that, you know, on a regular day would be hitting pretty hard, but obviously just got to be looking pretty and flying for the cameras. So we'll see how everything goes. We'll see how the people test out and turn out. But um, like I always say, the combine is what it is, and the only guy that I'm going to shout out myself on this is today at 7 p.m. Y'all go check him out because he's a BC product. He's a big old boy. His dad was in the league. His brother's out there on the Falcons right now. And that's good old Alec Lindstrom. He's coming in here as a big old center, ready to do some big, dirty work in this NFL league, man. And uh, for everything he's been prepping and doing and whatnot to get ready and all the trials and tribulations, man, we are ready to see you freaking drafted, bro. I can't wait. I don't care where or what, just as long as the team's all decent situation and we can see you uh, thrive, man. So, Go get after it, Alec, and we wish you luck, bro. And now for our special spot here. We're going to kick it over, firstly, to add from Snuff Cup. So if any of you have ever had anyone in your life that uses that good old tobacco, the wacky stuff over there, and you got to deal with those nasty bottles, especially when they're Coke ones and they don't look right, well, get you a Snuff Cup because that thing's going to help you and your family never drink that nasty shit again. But now that I'm up and out of that, we got to kick it over here next to the NBA segment with Sir McGee. Take it away, bro. All right, man. Well, first thing in the NBA that stuck out to me this past week or so was a quote from one of the old old head NBA players. I don't know if he somehow got CTE or something. I'm talking Charles Oakley, this menace that's been banned from MSG, that's been kicked out of this and there, and... This guy's just a problem everywhere he goes. Now Charles Oakley, he's going around saying that Giannis Antetokounmpo would be coming off of the bench if he played in the 80s and 90s. How do you feel about that statement? Yeah, I saw, dude, I saw that the other day, and I couldn't... It's hard to say I couldn't believe it, but for a dude with that size, I mean, I'll be honest, right away... He just reminds me of basically every center that used to play in the NBA back in the day. Maybe he moves a lot better because he's a lot more athletic, but that's what he reminds me of is a lot of the old centers. So if anything, he'd at least be playing center. But 
honest to God, man, with how well he's worked on his free throw one and his shot in general from anywhere but inside the paint, he's damn near LeBron at this point. He really is to me. And I, I don't know what you think, but I think he is one of the most, if not the most, complete player that has that kind of body on him in the NBA. Nah. I mean, that's fair to say because nobody else has this kind of body. <laughs> but I wouldn't go as far as comparing yeah. him to LeBron. mean like that big size. Yeah. I wouldn't go as far as comparing him to LeBron because uh, Giannis' playmaking isn't there um, just in general. But, and like you said with yeah. his shooting and free throws and three-pointers, I would honestly mm. discredit that because he probably wouldn't have gone to him. If he played in the 80s and 90s, he probably wouldn't have even tried to improve because that's just not how it was back then. I mean, guys like Reggie Miller right that now that had the three-point record only shot three or four threes per game, and Bigman never did that, so I don't think he would even try to. But I, I, I totally disagree <laughs> with Charles Oakley. I mean, this dude would just pound everybody. Like, he would be, un- he would be unstoppable. So in the sense of LeBron being unstoppable, yeah, Giannis would be the same thing. And these old heads have always... That's for damn sure. They've always gone... They're always kind of saying, my my generation is better, blah, blah, blah. They ignore that it the game evolves, these players evolve. But there is one guy, Isaiah Thomas, the old head from the Pistons. He actually got Giannis' back. And I'll actually play a clip. Hopefully we can hear it through the mic of uh, him responding to Charles Oakley. You can talk all that stuff because you got gray hair and you sitting on the sidelines smoking cigars about what you used to do. That dude would dog you every single time y'all stepped on the court. Now, you may hit him hard. Okay, all right. After you hit him hard, you ain't got no game. You ain't got no game. Okay, so if you hit me and I'd be like, okay, that's all you got? <laughs> you ain't got nothing but a hit? I'm getting ready to mess over you. And, and Giannis, just like he treating them not, he's bigger, faster, stronger. He'd be dunking on all of them. Left-handed, just like Ralph Sampson was dunking on them. Giannis would be doing the same thing. So all y'all stopping with, he wouldn't dominate in the 80s. We ain't never seen no dude like this coming to our league. And give him his props, give him his credit. He would dog anybody in the 80s, 90s, 2000, and, 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 and 30, 20 when we get there. You can talk all that stuff. So, it, so just back. He is up. right about that, man. Yeah, it's great to finally hear an old head actually have some sense about the modernization and evolution of the game. Because he's right, Giannis would dog everybody in every every era. And like you, you were both saying, his strength and you, he's LeBron in any era. He'll take over. So it's, it's funny. It's funny. That's, that's kind of one of those things. You should. Yeah, no, yeah, it's just funny to see see him kind of clown Oakley. You'd be like, he would be dunking on you, just like everybody else is dunking on you. Like you might hit him one time. Yeah. Like, what? Who are you? You're comparing yourself to LeBron at this point, because I mean, sorry, Giannis. You're comparing yourself to Giannis at this point, because you're a starter, and you're telling, you're saying he'd be off the bench. Come on, Giannis is better than yeah. you, Charles Oakley. Don't be st- don't be silly. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. Like Charles Oakley was really good and everything, but I'll put it this way. Charles Oakley had to work. To me, what it was, I haven't seen him watch it live. Charles Oakley, to me, had to work twice as hard to get to where he was. Giannis can kind of fall into where he is, to me. Like, he can just, oops, I did it again. Like, Britney Spears, naked pics. (laughs) But for real, though, like, shit was wild, dude, honestly. I can't believe how effortless 
like that that's where it just comes in. I always mention LeBron with Giannis, how effortlessly he can just shove down the lane, boom, dunk. Or especially now, like I said, with his shot getting better, he looks a lot more effortlessly shooting. He's not robotically shoving the shot out and like trying to make it go like he was before when he was just horribly and I mean horribly missing. And especially on those free throws late in games, you saw in the playoffs before. He was choking away games worse than Joker is nowadays. Mm. But, uh, like, for real, dude, just, like, one of those things. I just think he's a lot more effortless of a player. And with that size comes the just – it's not that I'm better than you, but, shit, like, it takes a lot less for me to be better than you. That's how I put it. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, you put Oakley in today's game, it makes more sense to say he's a – a borderline starter, maybe a bench player, maybe like a Drummond or like a Dray- bigger Draymond kind of guy. I even picked Draymond over him, maybe, um, just with what how the offense is played today. But it's I'll like, put him as a solid bench that. player, honestly. You'll be off the bench in today's game. You honestly be starting like it's just the evolution of guy. That's just the evolution of the game. Every every twenty five, you know, ten twenty years, players are going to be getting better. Like that's just how it is. Definitely, man. And I put in the way too of like. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest, everyone knows this about me. I love the old game compared to the new game. It, to me, the shooting's flashy, but I love the big bang and boys down low and, and you're really getting after it. Uh, shout out to, what is it, Zubak and um, Hairston last night and the Clippers. I hate y'all because y'all ruined my parlay with the Lakers, but they played a hell of a goddamn game. And that was some old style ball from them really shoving the boys down low and doing what they did, making LeBron and all them look absolute, especially Dwight. Howard, absolutely silly, man, making him look terrible. But what I've always said is the game now is better, but the older game was just a lot more physical. Like, everything was tougher. If you wanted to make that and one down low, you were getting an elbow to the face, and you weren't getting a call on it. Or at least you weren't getting, like, a freaking technical. Because nowadays, you whip around too fast at a ref like this, and they're like, bam! Mm-hmm. You know, they're hitting you with that technical fucking point two, dude. Like, you ain't got a shot of shit. Just like the DeMar DeRozan uh, two weeks ago. Fucking ref, man. Kicks him right out of the game on that last try to bucket. I'm going to tell you right now, that threw him out of MVP odds. Threw him right out of those 30-point games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe that's – he did end that streak. Maybe maybe that me- mental wall. Yeah, right. Hit a mental wall when he got ejected. Yeah, for real, man. The the Bulls were fucking riding until then, and then they got a little fucking smack in the mouth and didn't know what to do with it. You know, even even losing the other night, but, you know, now, now though, we got fucking big old jaw out there, baby. How the, how the hell, man? What, two 50-point games in a row? But I'll say one thing, though. Without Jalen Brown, those Celtics last night, they fucking took them down. That's for damn sure, and that was a hell of a game, dude. The Celtics played all-out ball last night. Marcus Smart, Grant Williams, Tatum, even Daniel Tice, everybody getting involved in that action, man. Yeah, that was a great game from the Celtics and Tatum, the birthday boy, balling out. Had an excellent game. Yep. Jaw did great, too. Hell yeah. Like you said, Jaw's, Jaw's going up there for MVP, but it's in question a little bit for me because we did see that Memphis team without Jaw. We saw them go on an 11-game streak. We saw them break some team records. They did. And they're, they're, they're that's the only thing I think is against him on the MVP front is that that team is too solid in general, even without him, like you're saying. Yeah, they're, they're 12 and two without him. So, I mean, if you want to talk MVP, I'd rather give I'd rather give him the most improved. But yeah, but I mean, he's playing like great no matter what. I mean, he, he'll probably get an MVP. Within yeah, the next and five he's, years. 
probably. And he's been the runaway favorite basically all most of the you know year in general for the uh, most improved. So mm-hmm. I don't think there's a way that's taken from him at this point, especially with those two fifty pointers to back up. And with that guy on my, I before I forget, with that goddamn shot he had, that full court pass from Stephen Adams, he's hanging in the air, catch and toss, mm. bro. That was just disgusting. I don't think, honestly, I don't know to you, whatever moment's better. I think that is one of the, definitely probably the best moment, like small, take it for what it is, in Grizzly history. That could be one of the best NBA shots. No. That was only at like halftime, wasn't it? I know it was halftime. Like, that, that's why I said it was like, granted, take out the, the situation at hand. I'm saying just the shot itself, like to catch that. In air, turn and hit it without even coming down. That was just insanity to me. I'm gonna just say that. That's all. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was insane. It was nice, but I mean, we've seen it plenty. We've seen it plenty of times in the NBA. We've seen it for game winners in the fourth and overtime. We we see it all the time in the NBA. But it's True. not taking. It is a great play though. True. Yeah, it was more, for me. It was more that it was on a full court. Like that was a yeah. hard pass. Yeah. Like, wow. It yeah. was just wild. Everything. But I'll, I'll let it roll. What do you got? Yeah, that was great. Well, for real, we'll kick it off the court real quick. Talk about it's not too funny, but if you're not involved, it's kind of funny. We're talking about Darren Fox. I don't know how much you heard about his little setup online he's had, but he basically set up an NFT program where remember Scott's Tots from The Office when Michael Scott offered yep. all these kids scholarships and a bunch of stuff, and he came through unpromised yep. and didn't get any of them. Well, this is a very similar situation with Darren Fox. So he announced late in this past December that he's going to start an NFT project that would grant five scholarships to the University of Kentucky um, and a chance to win all-star tickets, uh, you know, see some players, get the experience on the court, blah, 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 all that good stuff. So a lot of people are investing in this, uh, very interested. Only less than a month later, January 15th, um, just a few weeks after launching the project, he had over 100,000 Discord members and investors. All these social media accounts and Discords are apparently just gone. January 15th just disappeared. Discord's not there anymore. Um, but when he closed that account, he also was able to keep all of the donations and investments that he was getting, which was about $1.5 million. Wow. One and a half million dollars worth of NFTs, and it, it's just, just completely out of the blue, just gone. So this dude basically stole poor people's money and just and just closed it down. So it sounds like man. And it was quiet for about two Jeez. or three days. People were furious for good reason. And then a few days later, um, he came out apologizing, saying the whole thing was a mistake to start, and he wanted to more focus on his NBA career and didn't realize, uh, you know, how much energy and time and and money and all this stuff would uh, incorporate coming into the fans. So he he tried to make things right, which he didn't. But he he said anyone that purchased five NFTs, which is about thirteen hundred dollars, you know, in, in real money in U.S. dollars, um, they're going to be issued a signed jersey. So if you spend thirteen hundred dollars, you get a signed jersey of Darren Fox, which. It's not worth that much, anyways. I wouldn't like who. I wouldn't want that. Those people don't want your jersey. You just screw them out of thirteen hundred. You screw them out over a thousand dollars if you give them a signed jersey, basically. 
Like your jersey, yeah. your side jersey isn't even worth a thousand dollars. So what is it worth? Like three hundred, maybe. Like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm gonna say one thing though. Scott, Scott's tots, whatever fucking shit aside, man, that's terrible. But I'm gonna say one thing. It also doesn't seem like it could be that hard to wire people back their money. I, I mean, I don't know. It doesn't seem like it could be that hard. Who knows if this was his pull from the beginning of it all, though? Yeah. Like he could be just like another Clinton Portis or one of those players who you know pisses through their money or you know hands out too much of their own money, and they need to find some avenue to be able to get some of it back. He's still young, so I doubt it. But dude, you never know with some dudes. Sometimes they make it out of nowhere and they're given everything. And then they, you know, they use everything they have and then they have nothing left. So I don't know, man, that's, that's a tough situation and real shitty. I'll say that much. Uh, your jersey ain't worth that, man. Signed or not signed. Yeah, totally. Um, he, he's, he might be the new enemy of NBA fans, at least in Sacramento. Uh, cause I mean, this guy, For real. he, uh, he had promises broken. More importantly, these guys, these Guys had their money stolen from them. someone that's already extremely wealthy. So maybe Fox is going to start working True. in politics after. But I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he lied. I think he honestly just, like you said, like a lot of these athletes, not even just NBA, everybody goes broke within 10, 20 years of uh, of retiring. So it just kind of shows that, especially at a young age, these guys don't know how to handle money. Uh, I mean, look at Shaq. Yeah, Shaq, definitely. Blew, Shaq blew his first year or two worth of, of his contract uh the first day he got it and then that's when he started becoming really smart financially and where he is today but it's it's very common for guys to screw up their money um i wish they would look more into it and be smarter at least he's admitting to be an idiot but i i don't think it's yeah, i don't think it's true his, i don't think his signed jersey is is uh justified for and what about the guys that that only bought one or two nfts they're like oh you know what i got a good paycheck i'll spend you know, six hundred this week just on this, put it in, and now they're not going to get anything back. So yeah, man, I, that's just wild. I'll say that much. I don't know what else on top of it, but holy hell, though. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. At least at least KD's is still running, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. He's got those those free NFTs always floating out there. You see those ads on Instagram and shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, Goddamn. And before we kick it back onto the court. We're going to talk real quick about New York and Kyrie because it's a real sticky situation there. It doesn't make too much sense. So New York finally agreed to lift a vaccination mandate on the whole state, uh, including Brooklyn, making making us all believe that, you know, Kyrie is going to be able to finally play in the, in the Barkley Center. You know, he's currently the only player in the entire league vaccinated or not that is not allowed to play there, um, meaning any meaning other unvaccinated players from other teams are allowed to. Uh Yep. So now we're like, okay, great. Kyrie can probably play because the it's getting lifted. But hang on, not yet. Wrong. <laughs> the vaccination <laughs> lift does not permit Kyrie to play still because there's a sector mandate on the Barclays Center, just that individual building. That's his yep. own thing. So he, but not only that, he's allowed to be in the building and watch from the bench on the sideline. He can sit with the players. Mm-hmm. He can't be on the court and yep. play though. That doesn't make any sense. And then the mayor is saying, oh, I'm doing all I can to get Kyrie out. Like, I want him to play, but at the same time, I don't want to make, you know, an exception for one player. And, you know, da 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 But if everybody yeah. else is already lifted, rough, he's, he's, the, he's the sole person in all of New York that can't do 
one specific can't do his job essentially at this point he's the only guy that hey wait wait he is not the only guy that can't do his job don't forget about the old and i mean the old soft young actually young buck the softest guy in the entire nba we still got simmons out there with a bad back who hasn't played all years (laughs) yeah well that's different i'm talking legally Ben Simmons, yeah, no, for real. but it just it just blows my mind that this is still an issue and it's been going on for two and a half years. But I don't want to get too caught up into that because COVID. I want to get it over with. I don't want to talk about it. We can keep moving on. No, exactly, man. That's that's just one of those weird ass things where like they said it's a private sector and and like you said, he can't just make exceptions. It's like, well, he can sit on the sideline. So and, and then it's like, who? What's the difference? And who can make these? Because <laughs> The Barkley would let him if the mayor. The mayor said, "I'm not the one that does, that implements this." Like you're the mayor of the whole freaking state. He's up for re-election. I know it's just Brooklyn, but hey, you got some Kyrie fans there in over New York. So if, if you if you let him play, exactly. I mean, it, might not it's be homage, but, dude, for real. So, but right, well, and I'm gonna say honestly, it's tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, I just think of it in this way: the whole Kyrie situation, especially now with where it is, it's the point where it's. When you want to go to a friend's house and you're a kid and you're like, hey, mom, I want to go to, you know, whatever's house. Oh, ask your dad. Okay. Well, hey, dad, I want to go. You ask your mom. He's, that's where he is. He's in the middle of the yeah. ask this one, ask that one. And none of them got an answer because either one thinks the other one's the one that answers it. Yeah. That's what it sounds like to me at this point. It's just some silly ass bullshit. Yes, <laughs> But we'll keep it on the court. Speaking with other Nets, talking about Simmons, how he's finally, you know, thinking about. He'll be coming back in a few weeks. Now it's a back injury, yeah. no longer a mental thing. He'll be back in a few weeks. Maybe that team will start sparking up. We'll start seeing threes flying. Another reason why I think the Nets yeah. are going to start doing really good. Durant's coming back. Mm-hmm. Durant came back the other night. The team, yeah. the team was twenty-five and twelve with them. They're eight and nineteen without him. I also consider KD the best player in the league. If he's healthy, I know you asked me this the other day. You know, Giannis, KD, Embiid, Jokic, whatever. I might. Have, I think yeah. I told you NBA to be honest, but yeah. it's just so hard. These guys are so good. Embiid for me is the MVP of the season, and who knows if if KD was healthy the entire year? Who knows? But but KD is just you know some guy. It's just you can't make another player like KD. But then Embiid's just kind of turning into a That's true, player man. now too, and, and and he's balling out with uh, with James Harden. But. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing, dude. Like, I said it before, like, KD is a really good player and stuff, and it's not that I want to knock him or nothing like that. But, man, that Achilles injury, that takes people out of their careers in the first place. I give him all the props in the world to still be out in the court and still producing. Mm-hmm. But we also can see how now after the Achilles injury that he's more becoming – I don't want to say Ray Allen because he's not the quick spot-up dude like that. Like, he's a slow – Kind of, he's always kind of been like a not slow, but like a. I guess I put it as slow kind of player. He kind of makes his own plays. He works. He kind of like Tatum with the ISO and everything, trying to make all that always happen. Um, that's where I lie at the end of the day. He just is kind of relying on. Well, I still got the shot, and these guys can move. These guys got the energy. Hence, why I called in the beginning months ago that Ben Simmons would come to the Nets. That's exactly what's going to help them exceed is that KD can be there hitting the shots and when they need the energy, when they need the pickup and the get up and the go, 
He's going to shove that thing over to Ben Simmons. He's going to let him do his work as well. Because we all know Ben Simmons doesn't have an amazing shot. But the dude's got all the energy in the world. And he can make up for what some of the other guys maybe on the court. More or less just KD won't be able to do as much of that. Yeah. We, we did see, you know, a lot of guys that tear their Achilles, they don't don't come back. I mean, mostly big guys, you know, Patrick Ewing or even guys like Elgin Baylor. Yeah. A little bit of Kobe Bryant, too. Yep. But KD, he... Oh, yeah, Kobe Bryant, man. He, he became such a shooter afterwards. And not that he wasn't at first, but you could just see the evolution of, well, if I keep going at the hard, like, you know, the rate I was going before, I'm just going to tear it again. And you can definitely see, I wouldn't even say hesitancy, but... You can see the thought process in KD of, like, before he would have been like, I'm taking this thing to the rack and I'm jamming this in your face. And now he's like, eh, I'm going to kind of half-ass take it to the rack and I'm going to float it up. Now he still hits the shot. There's no difference in points. It's just in the way you see it. That's all it is. Right. And it reminds me of when uh, Dominique Wilkins tore his Achilles and he, he came back, you know, the same yep. or better. It's very similar to KD. I think Achilles really, really impacts mostly the big guys because, like, I think – uh, I think Anderson Vergel maybe had an injury. Yep. Um, Elton Brand had the same thing. Uh, so- I mean, I'm going to say one thing. What if Zion Williamson had this injury at this age? Zion Williamson, that could be his career because he all was- Zion has been and whatnot has been takeoff and flight. Once you take that Achilles, dude, you're not takeoff and flight no more. You're you're going back to flight school and you're learning how to do it again, you know? That's that's the big thing. Those people, you have such a great quick twitch, you know, reaction, all that stuff. And once you get that Achilles injury, it's just a it's a killer for anything to do with vertical and quick movement, basically. Yeah, it do, it also doesn't help carrying around three hundred sixty pounds on your foot that's already getting three surgeries yeah, on last that, year. That big old one ton boat on the fucking Mardi Gras. Yeah, the Mardi Gras <laughs> boat, the one ton. They got all these graffiti. Yeah. Everyone's bashing Zion in New Orleans. Do you think his time is up there? Honestly, man, I don't think he ever had a time there, to be honest. And yeah, true. and if we want to kick it over, we want to talk about Gary Streisky over there, that, that ESPN Snapchat uh, connoisseur, should I say. Man has been talking, I guess. He said he's been talking for a long time that, you know, the whole downfall of we. I think it was our, literally our first episode, the shit show episode instead of the lake show. We were talking about how this was going to eventually come down and wasn't going to be what it is now. And what is it now? It's the shit show. It ain't no lake show. They ain't putting up. They ain't doing nothing. Hell, last night, the announcers even mentioned how bad they feel for the Lakers. And kicking it back to Streisky and what he said was maybe not 100% planned, but the Lakers aren't playing at their best. And with them being in that spot, and Coach K over at Duke over there beyond his retirement tour. Maybe it's a LeBron and Coach K little time to come together. And uh, maybe they just bring Zion in there, too. That How do you feel that. about that? To the Lake Show? The Lake Show. Well, shit show now, but yeah. maybe it'll be the Lake Show. show. <laughs> Who knows? I wouldn't... I wouldn't want to go there if I was Zion. Like, I, like, I mean... I wouldn't I'd either. i have a surgery if they treated me there. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, is the, is the Lakers right now the most consistently bad, Is you know, as worse as they've been in a long time? Like, they've never been this bad and just consistently rolled the ball at every night and been like, yeah, Dwight's still not trying. Uh, Russell, he could have blocked that, but he's just not getting in front of it. 
I mean, that's what I saw last night. They were playing a hell of a game. It was 66-63, I think, at halftime with the Clippers. And the Clippers came in the second half. I think it was like two shots in, and they basically just ran them out the building. It was, I think, 40 points to 12 in the third quarter. And hell, by halfway through the third quarter, it was like 28 to two points. The Lakers couldn't even hit a damn shot. And even worse than just hitting a shot, they were scared to shoot. Like the only dude that even wanted to shoot and, you know, you know, get in there and make a basket was Malik Monk, dude. You saw, I mean, me at least myself watching this damn thing all night and being just strapped to it from this parlay, bro, and being so sick to my stomach watching it was watching Russell Westbrook drive, 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 and then kick out. Like he would literally drive down to the hoop and drive across the lane and kick it out. What did old Russell Westbrook do, bro? Old Russell Westbrook would rise up and jam that goddamn thing in your face so hard you question getting in front of him the next time. What's happening over there, bro? Well, he's not the same Westbrook, that's for sure. But if, when you're asking, not even close. Are they uh, the worst they've been? They're the worst they've been since AD, but they've been this bad or worse. Uh, you know, LeBron's first year with uh, with Lonzo before the AD trade, they've been pretty terrible. Uh, but yeah, I know, it's for sure, what they've been for the for the AD era for sure. Um, but they've still hey, but AD era, but AD's been probably the most I wouldn't say inconsistent, but just the injury factor. Like yeah. he's been injured a hell of a lot over there. Yeah, like we were saying, there's the Lakers are supposed to have prime AD, and they don't they don't even have him. You know, on the bench, he's he's been injured all day. So, yeah. And they do have that that one ring. Hey, hey, they got him on the bench. He's just in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> they got they got that one ring, and take that as you will in the bubble. But I mean, the other three or four years, the record doesn't look so good. Yeah. So I mean, I think they've been they've been consistently pretty bad the last four years. If you take away the uh, three years, if you take away that ring, which a lot of people do. Yeah. Take away the COVID ring. Yeah. It don't count anyway. <laughs> and a lot of people take that away because of how bad they've been before and after. And you know, yeah. a lot of things went into that. I mean, the the Suns went eight and zero, and they should have they should have made the playoffs, but the NBA wanted Dame Dollar to get in there, so they they tampered with the Brooklyn Portland game a little bit, and they gave Dame that, and they didn't do anything. And then they we had, they had guys that you know didn't come down in the bubble. They had, like I said, teams that went yeah. undefeated that didn't even make it. So a lot of people discredit that, yep. but that's in the past. We'll talk about the future real quick. True, man. I want to swing this over back to the East real quick. Talk about Philadelphia because they're starting to become my favorites. And I know I talked earlier, I said the Nets, hey, who knows, maybe the Nets are going to start playing better with these guys coming back. Maybe they'll get top of the East. Yep. Maybe they'll be in the middle and they'll knock out someone in the first round, a little upset, maybe Chicago, who knows. But I like Philadelphia a lot. And Philly got their biggest superstar since Nick Foles and James Harden. And his debut coming out with a near uh, triple-double, and five threes, and then yep. and Bead going off for like thirty five, and then the next day they're playing in MSG. I know the Knicks are a crappy team, but MSG is a, one of the toughest places to play at. They went off again. I think we're the three and zero, four and zero with with Harden and Bead now, and and they're just not stopping. I think Harden is exactly what Embiid needed, and he's getting everyone open, much like Simmons did, but Harden's still just a a top-of-the-league offensive threat. So I like Philly coming out of the East. Do you have a, a favorite, maybe heading into the conference finals even? For either... either. Uh... I mean, for me, it's hard right now, man. There's a lot of teams tossing it back and forth. I'd say right now the most consistent and the obvious choice, I guess, favorite runaway, 
the Heat are playing the most consistent ball. Yeah. Um, I say honestly though, I don't like the Heat that much. At some point, that Heat is going to turn off, man. It's, the burner is going to go backwards. I just do not see Jimmy Butler. To me, has never been the most consistent guy, and the only guy that really has that that kind of consistency on that team is Bam Adebayo to me. But if we're going to really talk about someone and a team that I think could make the push, it's going to be those Bulls at the end of the day, as sad as I have to say. I really? really do. I think that they have enough firepower and that they're going to go forward moving that rock around real well. They just got to get Zoe back, dude. That's all it is for them. Definitely. And, yeah, we know Jay was saying, you know, they, they suck it on defense. They need Zoe. I mean, Zoe's not the best of defense. He's kind of in the middle of the pack, but definitely that facilitator. And they get... If Caruso's ever back, I know he's Caruso's out extended week, so he might not even. Who knows? Maybe they'll keep him out until the playoffs, or even you know, exactly. second round. I think I thought that they would get bounced maybe the second round. I could see them making the conference finals, but I do not see the Bulls getting to the finals. I think I mean, someone something crazy has to happen. I mean, Brooklyn and Milwaukee would have to get upset somehow. I think Miami would be a great matchup. I think Miami's probably third my third favorite in the order of those guys. I think they would put up a good fight against Chicago. I think they would be a good uh, semi-conference finals, the Heat and the Bulls. Or even maybe the, if, yeah, if they right. both get to the con- if they both get to the conference finals, something's messed up because I think Milwaukee and Brooklyn and Philly are are those teams I need to get there. But who knows? Yeah, out of those, I'd say Philly, though, because Philly has a good shot, but... Man, if they didn't dish out Steph Curry in that trade, I would be a lot safer picking him. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, giving up Seth that that really stinks. Hopefully for them, Danny Green can uh, get that green light going. But who, who yeah, knows? Maybe, but I mean, hell, he couldn't even play the fourth quarter the other the two weeks ago when I need a goddamn one three pointer for him. So yeah, well, I don't know about that Danny Green right now. I'll take James Harden over Seth Curry. So. <laughs> That is true. I, I guess if he's not lazy balling out there, I'll take him because he has. I mean, he went to the Philly and he's been hard playing, man. That's yeah. for damn sure. Yeah, he found a whole new fire over there. He seems more comfortable, like happy almost. Like he didn't really have oh, yeah. this free will offense. And I know it's kind of funny saying that because there's rumors saying he left New York because Durant and Nash kind of like the seven second offense, you know, the pass the ball around, blah, blah, blah. And Harden's like the ISO. But when you, like we were saying before the trade even happened with Embiid and Harden together, that duo they they fit together perfectly. The peanut butter and jelly together. Oh, most definitely. So I mean, yeah. I think their play style, and then you know they obviously got Daryl Morey there is like you know front office relations are a huge part of you know your mentality and where you are. So I think they really are just set up for perfection in, in Philadelphia and for the future too. You know, Thibel and Maxi. Uh, and they got some good draft picks too. I know they give up some, but you know. Yeah, dude, Maxi has been playing like wild. That's for sure, dude. Mm-hmm. But before we end off our NBA segment, we're gonna finish off with a little thing I like to call the Beast of the Week. That Beast of the Week. We're gonna start oh, off yeah. in the East. Speaking of the Philadelphia 76ers, this man has been putting up 35 points a game with over 11 rebounds. Four assists, a steal, and almost two blocks, shooting 47% from the free throw line. You might think I'm talking about James Harden, but I'm talking about Joel Embiid for being our NBA player. Beast of the Beast Week. Beast of the Week. Hell yeah. 
Yeah, like we said, this man has been going off uh, last four games. Those are his numbers. He's just shooting the lights out over 50% on everything, uh, just taking about four or five threes a game. James Harden complimenting him beautifully. But let's move over to the West really quickly. Another guy we like to talk about a lot on this show. He's been putting up 40 a night the last few games, including 46% from the three-point line and 51% from the floor in general, getting about six rebounds and four assists a game. We're talking about Jaw Morant, MVP candidate also. He is our NBA Western Conference beast of the week. Of the week. Hell yeah, man. Jaw has been absolutely lighting it up. Doing absolutely anything. What was it? 52 one night, 57 the next. Whatever the hell he had last night in that loss to the Celtics that I love to see. But, dude, Jaw has been absolutely lighting it up. When I hit him at a plus 3,000, I knew I just knew something in my head was like, there's got to be something coming out of this at some point. He's going to make a run. The team's going to make a run. They're too goddamn good not to do something absolutely, astonishingly amazing. And that's Ja Morant just in a little bit of a bubble, man. He's been killing it. I even saw those videos out there of him before. Uh, I think he was in, like, high school or something like that, going into college. And he had dudes with little rollers on a cone, shoving cones at him, him trying to make moves around him and shit like that. Dude has been training his balls, nutsack, everything off since he was goddamn a little old youngin'. So it makes sense that now he's out here in the league. May still be the little guy. But he is certainly seeing the fucking sky right now, man. And he is killing it. Totally. All these D-Rows and uh, whatnot highlights everyone's comparing him to. He's just, he's in his own league right now, man. Yeah, yeah, I like that Damn. comparison. I mean, it, they got the athleticism for sure. Oh, hell yeah, man. They're showing uh, all of his left-handed dunks and, you know, the alley-oops to him and stuff. And they're showing one's literally mirror image of D-Rows and him doing the same exact shit. So just wild to see it and everything. But, man, I'm going to say one thing. The NBA after this All-Star break, which is, I mean, we all know about that dunk contest and how kind of shitty that was. We all see that Shaq face up there and all the gifs and everything. But I'll say one thing is the NBA certainly corrected it and came around with a hell of a smack coming into this next break. Dude, they are killing it right now. And going into the end of the season, I see a lot of upsets up on there in those schedules, man. There's a lot of teams I feel like are going to find their way. And one right now, and it'll be the last thing I mentioned on this show, is it Nick Stauskas or whatever getting signed to that two-year deal to the Celtics? Mm. Big shooter. Did he just get 57 in the G League uh, two weeks ago or whatever, a week ago playing? So who knows, man? Maybe they got themselves a little bit of a bench scorer out here now because uh, we all saw IT4. Now IT, I think it's three or whatever, over there on the uh, Hornets lighting it up 10 points in uh, the 14 minutes the other night. So got a lot of these guys signing these small contracts to finish off a season. I think we're going to see some uh, big flair out of some teams that maybe we didn't expect it out of. Yeah, I was a little surprised. I thought I saw a typo with the Celtics. I thought he was getting a two-way contract. I was a little shocked to see him get a two-year deal right out of the Yeah, year. this late in the yeah. year to get two years, that's kind of that's different. It was weird, but good for him. And uh, if Brad knows what he's doing, then it'll work out. So... Best of luck. Yeah, definitely, forward. dude. Seems like GM Brad's finally making his first move, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, 
Yeah, that's uh, really all we got today on the show. And for uh, Jar Jar Land and everything that's been going on in the NBA, all the crap on the NBA or on the NFL front with the combine and all the quarterback carousel talk and everything that's been going on. That's going to be it for us today on the 4th of March here in 2022. So all y'all stay pretty and uh, we're going to get litty. So take it easy, folks. Have a good one. Peace.